You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis, and in this episode, we're going to be breaking down two games for the Auburn men's basketball team, the entirety of the 2019 Legends Classic for the Auburn men's basketball team. That includes a game against New Mexico and against Richmond as well. To break down the action from that game, these two games, I have my friend and my co-host for Inside the Jungle, Mr. Drew Hooper. Drew, how does it feel to be a Legends Classic champion? Oh, it feels good. I definitely enjoyed the performance Auburn put on. Not as good as some of the championships we've won in the past, uh, or the snafus that Auburn has won in the past as SEC champions and some other types of champions, but it's still a fun one to win. Yeah, I mean, obviously we talked a lot about this in the preseason aspect of this, that when you go to a Maui Invitational and you play with the Gonzagas, you play with the Dukes, and then you come to this year and you've got basically just the Legends Classic as your marquee regular season tournament, it's a little bit of a letdown. You know, you kind of are on that high the previous season and you come back to this. But here's the thing is that Auburn was playing pretty good competition in this. Well, even though it was only a four team for the actual R bracket side of the tournament there. Obviously, there were some lower tier teams that we were playing in Auburn, whether that was uh, CSUN or, or someone else. The four teams here, Auburn, Richmond, New Mexico, and Wisconsin were up for the championship for their bracket. And I think there's a little bit of surprise in this because I've already mentioned the two teams that we played, New Mexico and Richmond. There's a team missing from that uh, lineup of games that we thought we'd be hearing from, Drew. Wisconsin falls to Richmond and doesn't make it to the winner's circle. Were you disappointed by that? I actually wasn't because the more I've watched that Wisconsin-Richmond game, I thought to myself, you know, I think Richmond may actually be the better team to test Auburn and to get them out of their comfort zone. And I'm all about early season tournaments and these non-conference games about getting Auburn out of their comfort zone to really make them a better team come March. Because it in college basketball, it is more of a marathon than a sprint in its entirety. And I think the thing is, is when you think of just perception and name, Wisconsin, obviously that looks good on paper. But, you know, as we find out throughout college basketball, no matter how many years it's played, names don't mean everything. You know, we've already seen a lot of Titans fall this year to teams that typically shouldn't have a, an opportunity to beat them, whether that's, you know, Kentucky and Evansville, Duke fell recently. Um, we've seen some other SEC teams struggle as well. Here, here's the thing. You got to beat the team that you have on your schedule. You can't look past them and you can't take anything for granted. And thankfully Auburn did not take anything for granted in this. And as expected, I think uh, was to win this tournament, even having a option to play a perceived good Wisconsin team. They were able to manage through some difficulties at times, 
but learn a little bit and probably get tested a little bit against both New Mexico and Richmond. So I was sad from my perspective to not have the Wisconsin matchup because I, I'll give you a little bit of personal history for me, Drew. I've got family in Wisconsin, and uh, we were on a family trip down in Walt Disney World during this uh, tournament. And so it would just been interesting for us all to be there watching an Auburn-Wisconsin matchup and kind of obviously not feeling conflicted because we're all Auburn fans, but there's a little bit of the affinity towards the Badgers for some odd reason just because we have family there. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed, but I'm thankful that the Auburn Tigers come out as champions in the Legends Classic. But I thought we'd take a second and break down each of the games just a little bit here. Auburn beats New Mexico in the first game of this tournament, 84-59, to pushing their record to 6-0 and at the time. You know, we've had a lot of history with teams from New Mexico, Drew, in basketball, and thankfully this one did not uh, get out of hand or give us a scare. No, I mean, the first half was interesting for sure. It was definitely one of those that Auburn came out and had been hot for game after game after game and came out against New Mexico and really grinded out that first half. And thankfully, New Mexico did not like to pass the ball to players on their team. And that really <laughs> that really helped Auburn a lot going forward. And I thought Auburn, you know what, while their shooting maybe wasn't the best, they really had a good intensity on defense. And while New Mexico was sloppy altogether, you can't take away any of the credit that the Auburn defenders are due because they forced a lot of turnovers as well. They're in the right spot. You got to catch the, the errant pass. You got to force them into bad situations. And the Auburn defense turned up whenever their offense was not turning up. And I think you saw, or you spoke about it a little bit to me briefly off air here that they learn how to fight through some scenarios that they haven't had to do this year yet. Uh, And that one of those obviously being the poor shooting that started with that, and Auburn, has, I think, from the very get-go of this season, has been on fire, whether that's Samir Dowdy just doing what he – becoming Bryce Brown 2.0 or any of the other players. Danielle Purifoy has been great at shooting this year as well. But having people step up and having to figure out ways to defeat um, opponents with, when you're not shooting is going to be key for this team going further down into the uh, – into the season here. What did you think the Mexico did that kind of kept them into the game for the first little bit of there? What did they do differently that Auburn was having trouble with? I don't really think they did anything differently. I think Auburn was missing shots and then New Mexico was coming down and they were, they were making some shots here and there. They, they made a decent amount of threes in the first half. I mean, I say decent. They only made four threes overall in the first or in the game, but they were just making plays. They were they were just able to to force the ball in, get the get that rebound every once in a while on the offensive glass. But I think the biggest thing was that Auburn was turning the ball over for a long stretch in that first half and then really settled down coming out of that under-12 timeout for the media. And I, I think after that, Bruce Pearl really got them to kind of switch their mentality, play a different way. He really had to – not that he hasn't coached so far, but he really had to coach them in this game – on, okay, we've been playing this one style for these pa- past five games. We have to shift gears. We have to change the approach and the mentality because this New Mexico team, we can't allow them to hang around. Well, And you talk about the tale of the turnovers here. Yes, while Auburn was giving up some early on, they only have 10. But listen to this number, 24 turnovers by the New Mexico Lobos. 24 turnovers. That comes in inclusion with 14 steals from Auburn and six blocks for Auburn defensively as well. And Auburn only commits 16 fouls 
to New Mexico's 20 here. So I, I think, you know, you can definitely see where defense was the key here for Auburn. And obviously a lot of those may have been mistakes by New Mexico by themselves, but Auburn probably put them in a position to make those uh, mistakes as well too. 42% from the field for Auburn, 31% uh, from three point land. And uh, wow, Drew, uh, there's not much to say about uh, that stat line there. 40% from the free throw line. I mean, who who was shooting the ball for us? Shaq, Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. I can't even say his name because he makes me mad because he can't make free throws. What happened? I, I really don't know what's going on with the free throws. It It's kind of bizarre to watch a team that shoots so well in many other aspects of the game to step up to the line and miss shot after shot after shot. But ultimately, that's what's going on. And, you know, I thought there for a time, especially when we're missing the first half, that may come back to bite us, but it didn't. But to give you solace, let's take a step back. And while (laughs) we did not hit a lot of free throws, a lot of the defensive effort that was made was drawing charges, which I know is a big part of the Bruce Pearl system. And we saw, I think, four that I know of were drawn in this game. And uh, that was a season high as far as I'm aware and really showed this team's willingness because everyone was taking charges in this game and just really doing a good job of getting in front of their player, setting their feet when they needed to and taking a lump on the chest. And that's not always the easiest thing to do when you get someone barreling at you. Taking charges is one of the things that you can do to make up for yourself with me for poor uh, free throw shooting. Uh, I love that aspect of the game, but I mean, come on eight for 20 from the line. I mean, they're, Okay, look, I, I rant about it every single show, so I'm not I'm not bore people with that here right now. But I mean, just make your free throws. That's all it is. That's all you have to, <laughs> to do. It's really they're free. Um, anyway, let's talk about some individual games here. I think not just for this game, we'll talk about it for the other game in a second. Uh, two guys that stepped up in a big way, uh, Samir Dowdy and Austin Wiley. I mean, what what has happened to Samir? Did he just literally inject some of Rice Brown's blood into his veins? I think we're just kind of starting to realize Samir Dowdy is just a really good player and he plays what role he's needed. Last year, we didn't need him to be the go-to scorer. He he had some really good games last year, drive, get that little floater action going. But this year, he's really stepped in the role of, you know what, you're shooting guard. We're going to need you to shoot the ball. We're going to need you to fill the role. And you know what, Samir's got a pure shot. He's got a, a really a fun looking shot. He gets into good spots in the lane and gets his teammates involved. And I think, you know what? People shouldn't be shocked by Samir really taking off. He came to us from BCU and was really good up there with them. I mean, BCU is a quality program, and it was a good pickup here for Bruce Pearl to get him. And I think he's going to be one of those that we look back in a few years and really appreciate. Yeah, if Bruce Pearl has proven anything is that he can find diamonds in the rough. I mean, how many teams passed on to Jared Harper? And look what's happening now um, with his career at Auburn and now in his postseason career in the NBA. I mean, it's just he, he's, he's a brilliant recruiter. And, and not just that, a developer of talent. Because uh, it's one thing to bring in the talent, but you have to be able to develop them. And speaking of one of those talents, Austin Wiley. And, you know, he's had a, a, a no, I wouldn't call it tumultuous, but an interesting journey here at Auburn into his senior year. And we're finally seeing him kind of, step into the role that we always dreamed he would. And I think these two series of games showed that a lot here for him as well. Um, Obviously, he's still in a starting role here. In this game, he gets 13 rebounds, and uh, he also scores 14 points as well. A double-double for him. I've lost track of how many doubles that is for him on the year, but what do you think about his play? Uh, I think the bigger part is six of those came on offensive glass. Uh, Wiley, over this whole tournament, he ends up winning tournament MVP. Spoiler alert for those of you listening to the podcast. (laughs) 
uh, I thought this was the Austin Wiley Auburn fans have been waiting to see for the, his entirety at Auburn. And I think it speaks to the fact of last year, we didn't have to learn how to play with Austin Wiley. I think it was one of those, it would have been nice if we learned how to play with Austin Wiley, but we never really had to learn how to play with him, how to play with a true center. And this year we have to, because he is such a talent and such a big part. And the talent that we had last year is gone. And I think Bruce Pearl over these past over these starting games has really said, you know, let's try to get Austin some touches. Let's try and get these in the post. Let's try and figure out what it works like or what it looks like. And sometimes it's looks clunky, but I think now that we're into the season, we really know what it looks like. Austin's hands were awesome throughout this whole tournament, catching that ball in the post, sealing off the post and just turning around and just playing some volleyball and slamming it down was absolutely pure what I want to see for my center he did amazing he did well on the defensive end yeah he fouled out in the New Mexico game but I thought overall he played a phenomenal game against New Mexico and then turned around against Richmond did the same thing it's good to be able to rely on consistent post scoring in an offense like this because it's going to give those shooters on the wing much more space and I think it throws a typical Auburn uh, scheme off because we've never been able to rely on that before. And now that we're able to, we kind of have to adjust and let's, let's not be one dimensional here. Let's focus on utilizing Austin's skills now that he's kind of rising to the occasion. And it's really nice to see that. Cause you know, I'm watching the highlights for these games and it seems like every other one is him doing a putback or him just receiving the ball down low and just t- and settling for a second and then throwing it down. I mean, it was really nice to, to watch that. I felt like I was watching an Austin Wiley highlight reel at, at times, and I'm like, this is just two games. So if he continues on this track throughout the season, it's only going to get better for him. So I was very happy to see that those two dominated through both of the games here and ha- very happy, especially for Wiley, that he was able to get a double-double there. You know, we see our, our usual cast of players in this New Mexico game. Obviously, the starters remain the same. McLemore is the sixth man, and he does a great job with 18 minutes at 10 points. Um, not a great job on... Free throws, mind you, and he's usually a sheer-handed free throw guy with two for five, but I'll stop harping there again. Uh, but we see, you know, Devin Cambridge gets a lot of time. Jamal Johnson, Alex Flanagan, I think, obviously, Jamal Johnson, again, with six points, makes the biggest dent as that second-tier uh, type of team, the fir- first ones to come in here. Did anybody else step up to you or, or stick out to you in this New Mexico game? I, I thought Alan Flanagan actually did a really good job. It, his stats don't scream at you from the box score, but ultimately I thought he was in the right place at the right time. He was effective on defense with those long arms and really just played a solid basketball game. He got his teammates involved, uh, even getting those two assists and limited time. I, I think Alan Flanagan is a really unselfish player, and you normally get that a lot from coaches' kids. Uh, they they just know how to find people on the floor. They know how to be a another coach there on the floor because that's what they've grown up with. And I think he is really growing and maturing in this season. And another one from this game that I thought was impressive, even though he had limited time, was Akinbola. I thought he came in and provided energy. Wiley was in foul trouble early, really needed to give Macklemore a break and toss Akinbola out there. And he comes up with two big blocks again to really just energize this team, securing some rebounds. And I think that's someone, as we go on into play, I think we're going to start seeing him a little bit more as he gets more comfortable playing at this level. Yeah, Akimbola, I think a lot of people are excited to see his future at Auburn. And now that he's starting to slowly increase his minutes over time here, uh, it gets him more and more excited for Auburn. And, and as a role player, off-the-bench player, you have to be 
uh, maybe not necessarily an energy guy, but you have to be able a sh- be able to be a shift change there and not lose anything from what you were doing. And I think you see a very strong group there in Cambridge, Johnson, Flanagan, and it, I'll throw Ekingbola in there as well. Stretch. I think they're able to maintain a certain level of performance and bring th- different things to the table that are wrecking havoc with other teams right now. So it's great depth that we have at Auburn right now, and we should be very, very mindful and thankful for that. Let's move on to the second game, though. And again, the surprise game, I think, Auburn versus the Richmond Spiders for the championship. Auburn does go on to win in a closer match, 79-65. to 65. And while probably most Auburn Tiger fans were thinking, hey, we wanted Wisconsin, Richmond wanted Auburn, and they uh, they made it close a little for a little while there. Auburn had to kind of pull away as they had typically done against uh, teams that have given them some some better matches. This thing, but uh, what did you think about Richmond and their play? Yeah, I, I think the final score is definitely closer than the second half would lend itself to. We we gave them a lot of easy baskets there at the end because this was a twenty twenty five almost thirty point game there for the long for a long stretch in the second half i thought the first half auburn realized they're up against a well-coached well-disciplined well-drilled team and really did well to fight back to figure out how to stay with them and play at their pace i mean okoro gets in foul trouble i think he had a frustrating game overall so which is great for him i think those learning pains are going to help him forward and really realize, you know what, he's going to have to find different ways to affect the game sometime. And you know what, Auburn came out that second half. I don't know what Bruce Pearl shot in their veins, but it was something that made them want to come out and just annihilate Richmond because they came out hot. They came out wanting to play defense and really ran away with the second half and buried Richmond within the first six minutes of that second half. Well, you got to think too, the probably part of that speech in the second, for uh, halftime there is do you see what they did to Wisconsin and now Wisconsin's having to pay for losing the perception game to a Richmond spider team which they were expected to beat there so I think that kind of plays in it to it too is he probably reminds them of what's at stake here in terms of perception and losing to them Uh, now not taking anything away from a team that obviously was very well prepared for this tournament and prepared to make some noise Uh, so I think you know from the from the eye test it's not as sexy of a win but when you look at things on paper, uh, this is another quality win for Auburn over a team that uh, gave them fits at times. And and you brought it up already. I, one thing that I'm encouraged by is Okoro, when he struggles, the team doesn't fall apart. How many times have we suffered through seasons, Drew, where KT Harrell, for instance, was off and then Auburn couldn't do anything else? I mean, I just think it's a blessing to be able to find other ways to win a basketball game without your star player having a great game. Yeah, and I think a big thing, too, that we can look at is not only did a court, he had a good game, like he was clinical in the shots he took. He was really picking and choosing his areas. He had good rebound and play defense. Well, it, he didn't have a bad game. He just wasn't able to affect it the way I think he really wants to affect it. And you look over these past two games, Purefoy, 3 of 11 shooting against New Mexico, 3 of 7 of shooting this game. He got the line a little bit more and affected it that way, but I think it's really big to see how this team really worked out two of their core players struggling uh, while Samir Johnson or not Samir Johnson, Samir Dowdy obviously shot the lights out again. Austin Wiley had another good game. It, I think it this team is going to adapt to that next man up who who's going to be ringing the bell this game and Austin Wiley and Samir Dowdy really did it this game. 
in the last game, Purifoy's done it. Okoro's done it already. We've seen Javon McCormick do it. Uh, I mean, really, this team is a team. Uh, there's no other way to put it. And I think we're seeing them grow and realize that we may not have like a stud superstar, but we're deep and we have players at all these positions. One thing that I, I will remember from this tournament, and I can't remember which game it was, but there was a point where there was a breakaway for Auburn uh, ahead of, of uh, the team that they were playing. And there were two guys down there to receive the ball. And instead of just selfishly taking the dunk, I think it was Macklemore who just kind of tipped it over to his teammate right in front of the goal uh, to to make a, a dunk there. And I thought it was very unselfish because it had been very easy for him to just grab the ball, turn around, and dunk it. But instead, just kind of said, here, you have it. And I think it speaks to the level of cohesion that's happening here on this team. It's not about me. It's about us doing something much greater than ourselves right now. And I think they're showing a great job of doing that. A couple other stats from this game for the Auburn versus Richmond game. 44% for Auburn, 26.3% from three-point land, so not up to what we've seen them do in previous games. Free throw line's a little bit better here, 71%. Makes me feel a little bit better in there. Rebounds, Auburn wins that, 44-34. to 34. Uh, 12 assists for them. Steals, 7, blocks 4, and only 13 turnovers for Auburn with 17 fouls on top of that. And Auburn's largest lead was 22, and Richmond was able to mount a six-point lead, but able to hang on to a lead or keep it close for uh, for quite a while there. So when we take a step back, Drew, and look at the Legends Classic as a whole with a win over New Mexico and a win over the surprise team of New, of Richmond here, is this something that Auburn can point to at the end of the season and, and point to the committee and say, we deserve to be here because of this? Does that feel like we can do that to you? I, I mean, maybe not because of these two games, but I think definitely these were two quality teams. I don't think New Mexico makes the tournament, but they'll probably be an NIT team. And the same with Richmond as well. But both come from good conferences. Both are good caliber programs. Richmond is one of those teams that really crops up every two years or so whenever they are able to develop those players well come from the A-10. So I think these are going to be games that we look back and say, you know what, we learned a lot about ourselves in these two games, learn how to win in a different way in these two games. But maybe not if we're needing a committee uh, or if we're putting our resume in front of the committee, I don't think we're really pointing to these two games per se. Okay. Well, but at least I think we can say they don't hurt us in the sense because Auburn looked good for the most part at the end of it, everything in these games. It's not something that will keep us out of the tournament should things get into a situation where we have to make arguments for ourselves. I don't see things going that way, but that's just kind of where my mind goes on this thing. So successful trip to New York for Auburn at the Barclays center, where they are the champions of the 2019 legends classic. Let's talk a little news before we move on to the next game for the tigers that came out this week. Auburn will be participating in the Orlando invitational for 2020, November 26th through the 29th. And yes, that will be during the middle of Iron Bowl weekend. So that's an interesting, uh, interesting thing there. If Auburn are going to have to, fans are going to decide, do they want to go to Orlando and uh, be down there to support the men's basketball team, or if they're going to go to Tuscaloosa? I mean, honestly, if you ch- gave me the the option of going to Disney World or going to Tuscaloosa, I'll choose Disney World every time. But <clears throat> you know, we'll see what happens at the end of this. They'll be in this game playing in the ESPN Wide World Sports Complex on Disney World property. Eight-team field here. Belmont, Boise State, Gonzaga, Michigan State, St. Louis, Siena, and Xavier round out the field with Auburn. 
how do you feel about this invite for Auburn to the 2020 Orlando Invitational, Drew? Well, you know, my good friend Kyle Lewis always says, never count out Tom, Enzo, Tom Izzo in November. <laughs> it's true. And so uh, I, I think it's a quality tournament. It, we got to see last year going to Maui, facing a Gonzaga, facing a Duke, facing other teams like that. Did we face Xavier? I feel like Xavier was on that yes, list. Yes, we did. I believe so, yes. Like, Xavier's a really good, not power six school or power five school. And I I, I enjoy their play style. I enjoy how they play. Uh, they're very tough-nosed. So I think they're a quality team. Belmont's a slow it down, really annoying, hit everything that, that they throw up type team. And Boise State's getting better in basketball. But Gonzaga, Michigan State, marqueeing that. And guess what? People see Auburn as a marquee name in that now. Who would have thought we had been there uh, so many years ago that the marquee header names are Gonzaga, Michigan State, and Auburn? And so I think this is a really quality tournament. I think it's going to be a big, uh, fun event and definitely excited to see Sharif Cooper throwing some lobs down to somebody at this (laughs) tournament. I hadn't even thought about that angle yet. Is this is going to be with a whole different Auburn team? You know, I mean, think about it. The entire starting vibe will most likely be gone, and we'll be celebrating other players like Sharif Cooper down there, uh, making some magic in the most magical place on earth. Obviously, I have personal interest in being down there, other than the Auburn Tigers, if you know anything about me personally. But uh, I am super excited about this field when I look at it, and not just the Gonzagas, not just the Tom Izzos, and not just the Xaviers. Um, you know, I think St. Louis is a quality program as well. Boise State, as you said, has been on the rise. So I do think that Auburn sees themselves, and not just sees themselves, but the basketball world and this setup for this tournament will see them as one of the top four teams and thus probably match them up with a Belmont, a Boise State, uh, a Siena, or a, a St. Louis. If you had to pick, Drew, for your first round game, who would you want out of that group to face? Uh, for me, I like a tough challenge, and I know we're not going to face Michigan State or Gonzaga first round. I'd want Xavier if that's an option. They may be the other, they may be the fourth seed with us. So if I if that was eliminated, I would say I'd want to face that Belmont team first. For some reason, I just want to see Auburn versus Boise State. I, I don't know why. That's probably going to be a bad thing because that'll be a trap game for some reason, but. I don't know why Auburn and Boise state, you just never hear it in football together. So just to hear it together in basketball would just be a treat for me. And with them being somewhat improving as a program, I would just love to see that there is there a team on this matchup of any of the eight that scares you the most. Oh, Michigan state for sure. Like at Gonzaga don't know what they're going to have next year. They're always kind of, you got to see who they transfer in. You got to see who's been sitting on their bench for 40 years that they're eventually just going to pull up and make a superstar. <laughs> so I'm not really worried about them right off the bat initially, but Michigan state, like Tom Izzo, quality historical coach. Uh, you got to be worried about them, but outside of those two, I would say Belmont is my biggest worry because Belmont's always a quality team. Like they're always doing well in the OVC they're, they normally have two Yetis at center and power forward that just shoot the three well too. So, and they off they often drag you into the mud. And I have PTSD from the UAB game last year. Well, here's my overall thoughts of this uh, Invitational for next year. Outside of the Maui Invitational or even the preseason NIT, I would say that this is the marquee um, tournament Invitational, whatever what have you for regular season competition beginning out the 2020 season so i'm already super excited for this i'm planning to 
make some sort of appearance down there. It is with the Thanksgiving weekend and all that, I believe. Uh, I haven't looked at the, how the calendar falls out next year, but I am really hoping to be down there to be part of this tournament because it will be so much fun to watch a very different Auburn team down there. Uh, but that's the wrap-up on the news we have for the basketball team this week. Um, let's talk about their next game very quickly. Auburn versus Furman with a record currently of 7-1. and one. Uh, We will play them at 8 p.m. Central Time this Thursday, December 5th. By the way, it's December, guys. That, that just hit me. Uh, it's December, actually. On the SEC Network, their last game, they beat uh, UT Arlington 58-57, so a close from there. They'll also be playing uh, South Florida before they take on us in Auburn Arena. I think, Drew, you and I both look at this game as another smart schedule for two different aspects here because of, obviously, it should be a win for Auburn in home against maybe an inferior opponent. But again, this is a potential champion for another conference, even a lower-tier conference. I just think Bruce Pearl is a master scheduler. Oh, yeah, he's he's a master scheduler. And I'm pretty sure what he's trying to do is lobby that if you win your conference and then you beat like all these other conference champions, I think you should automatically be given a national championship. <laughs> or the NCAA finally comes out and admits that Virginia double dribbled and Auburn was the deserved national champions. I don't really know what he's lobbying for, but he is a master scheduler. And you know what? Furman should not really trouble Auburn, but it's a projected conference champion. And you know what? Normally the conference champion, when I say normally, I mean 100% of the time, makes the NCAA tournament. And so this may be a team that we have to see again. It may not be. But you know what? We'll have tape on them. We will say we had a win against who initially was thought to win the conference. And, you know, that's pretty good scheduling as far as I'm concerned. Now we have to address the literal elephant in the room. They did lose to Alabama, who has looked awful this oh, year. Oh, your, your SEC champion pick? Look, Alabama. No, don't you start no. that, Drew. No, you, I, nervous Nelly over there. We're going to lose to Alabama. They're probably going to finish third in the SEC. No, I Kyle, I'm that. pretty sure they couldn't shoot their way out of a paper bag right now. So, <laughs> uh, buckle up for sure over there in Tuscaloosa right now. I did not predict them to win the SEC. I just said I thought they might be in competition for, you know, one of those spots. I don't know, but I, I think we both agree here. Um, a win against Alabama is not something to be, uh, or a loss uh, either competing against Alabama is just, you know, kind of puts you at a loss no matter what here, because if you lose to them, you look bad. If you win, they they're terrible. It doesn't matter. But anyway, so it's, it's Furman. They're supposed to win for their conference this year. So it's hopefully it'll look good for Auburn at the end of the year. A couple of players to look for here. Senior guard, Jordan Lyon, 16.1 points per game. And then clay mounts a junior four is their best rebounder at six rebounds per game. If you had to set a confidence level on the Spurman game, Drew, where are you sitting at? 98%. Well, that's very confident, sir. I don't think you can get well, you can get about a percent better than that. Uh, but you can if get 2% it, better if your math is correct, Kyle. Well, you know me. Me and math don't work really well together, especially right after Thanksgiving holidays. Um, but uh, if Furman's going to win this game, what did they have to do to Auburn? Uh, every player on Auburn has to get ejected from the game. <laughs> Well, they say there's a there's a will, there's a way, and apparently there's a way, and I don't think that's going to happen, though. Uh, but Auburn and Furman this Thursday, December 5th. Hopefully the Auburn Tigers will continue their winning streak on to 8-0. and oh. Quick update for you for the Auburn women's basketball program, which is having a bit of a struggle to start off the season. They're sitting at 3-4 and four right now, and they had a lot of games in between our last episode, the Legends Classic, and up till now. 
So I'll run through those real quick. They lost to UAB 75 to 80. Uh, they lost, uh, they beat St. Joe's, excuse me, 66 to 62. Um, got a thumping from Middle Tennessee State University, 50 to 73. They did beat Dayton 76 to 74. And literally an hour or so ago, um, lost a heartbreaker to Drake 82 to 83, literally on a last second shot uh, where Auburn had an opportunity to win the game. Uh, but weren't able to do so. So that's your women's update from us. And uh, their next game will be South Alabama this Wednesday, December the 4th at 7 p.m. And you can watch that on ESPN+. Drew, it is a successful Thanksgiving week for Auburn men's basketball. Anything else to wrap up our show here? Well, no, I think we did everything fairly. Uh, As Auburn fans, I know we get accused of doing that, doing things unfairly (laughs) often. But we did things pretty fair in this episode. I enjoyed myself. Uh, just don't stick 12 men on the field. Well, you know, you could count. Like, just like me, Alabama couldn't count at all. So there you go. War Eagle to all of you out there. And uh, War Eagle to you Bama fans as well. Just a little parting shot for you. That's all we have for you on this edition of Inside the Jungle. If they want to reach you, Drew, on Twitter, where can they find you? You can find me at Drew underscore Hoop, H-O-O-P-0-2, on the Twitter sphere. And you can find me on Twitter as well, at Tiger I-24. Until we talk to you again. War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?